is up, sons and daughters? This is Sam Jesse coming to you live with the crew from the Locks of Saturday. I have Chris, I have Robert, I have Brett, I have Ed, and gentlemen, welcome to week 11. Hope everyone's excited. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, we were usually picking five games against the spread, and then we give you some over-unders, some props, but we're going to mix it up a little bit this week. Now, I would love to say that this is born out of our own creativity, but it's actually born out of the fact that this is an awful slate of games this weekend, and half of the good games got canceled due to COVID. So here we are. We're going to focus a lot more on the Virginia Tech matchup because that is one of the most interesting betting lines I, quite frankly, have ever seen. Uh, and then we'll get over into some futures, some Heisman odds, some national championship odds, talk a little Clemson versus Notre Dame, really exciting stuff. So uh, guys, anybody want to kick it off? Anything before we get started? Yeah, I told you so. Yeah, Ed. <laughs> I had to say it, man. I was nervous <laughs> last week. I said it in the article and it came to fruition once I got out coached, but we can move on now. I just wanted to rub it in everyone's face. You know, the line from the office where... Um, Michael is, uh, he, he says something like, and you cheated on me when I specifically asked you not to. Yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> and if anyone watches The Office, they know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah. I feel more like the, no, God, please, no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> the, the second he just beat the guy down the sidelines for the first touchdown, I was like, <laughs> it's over. You, you, all right, so kind you of funny for freeze. our listeners out there, before I hit record, the last thing I said was, no one talked about the Liberty game. We're not going to talk about the Liberty game. <laughs> it's the first thing. that uh, you, can't not, you can't not address it. You have to at least touch on it for like two minutes. We're all we, we got our two minutes, and it's time to move on. It's been well-documented on Twitter, that's for sure. Deep yeah, breaths, let's climb out of the rabbit hole real quick. Deep breaths in for three seconds and out for six seconds. Lower that heart rate. And we're good to go because we're moving on to week 11. And guys, Virginia Tech is hosting a top 10 team on Saturday. No one's talking about that. Like, it seems to be something that's been completely washed under the rug that Miami's coming in as a consensus number nine. They are uh, six and one with their one loss being at Clemson. So they're basically six and oh against, you know, college teams. And then they're 0 and one against a pseudo NFL team. So looking good. There, um, Derek King is, I think he's still kind of in the Heisman odds. We'll, we'll get to that later, but he is kind of what the ACC teams feared he would be, where he's just a complete X factor. And they are coming in plus two and a half at Virginia Tech. That's right. Miami is getting two and a half points. I really expected this line to change throughout the week, but it hasn't. It's actually moved up half a point from plus two to plus two and a half. I'm going to start with Robert and... I'll ask you this first before you get into your pick. Why is Virginia Tech favored in this game? Because I'm really struggling to find anything that points to that. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, I'm not going to try and justify this rationale because honestly, it's pretty mind-blowing to me. Uh, the only thing I can really think of is two things. Number one, Justin Puente is 14-5 and five after losses in his career at Virginia Tech. And number two, Virginia Tech's last four wins against Miami, which were in 2019, 2016, 2013, and 2011, each of them have come following a loss. 
So I, I suppose they're really just diving into that history and they, they're, they feel really strongly about it. And the, you know, the thousand people strong lane stadium atmosphere, I don't really know. Um, but I, I do think that there is a world in which the Hokies win this game. Um, but I think that the chances are pretty low, especially the chances of them covering because the number nine team in the country is being given two and a half points. That is insane to me. Um, our defense right now statistically is the second worst in the ACC against the run. And that is what Miami does best is run the ball. Um, I do think the Hokies could potentially get the win, like say if they were able to somehow put together this uh, miraculous performance from the front seven. But I, I like the chances of Derek King and Cameron Harris uh, running all over this slow front seven. I like them. I mean, I like them to win, but I, I even more like them to cover two and a half. I'm mean, my goodness. Yeah, Ed, you talked about the defense as well and your concerns with Justin Hamilton's new scheme and, and how it's going to relate to stopping Derrick King. I don't think it's going to stop Derrick King. Um, I'm pretty concerned about this defense, the way things have been going. It's just like I'm not seeing much progress. I think the linebackers are a huge issue and will continue to be so, especially this week against a guy like Derrick King. But um, – yeah, the defense is, is uh, probably the biggest issue I can see. Um, I've talked about the passing attack pretty much. I've harped on it every week at this point. And there was actually a glimpse of it in the Liberty game, believe it or not. But uh, I would love to see more of that if Tech is going to have a chance to win a game like this. But I just oh. don't get this line at all. They I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Play, Ed, in order for that to happen. Well, and, and you know, that's a whole different conversation that goes back on that rabbit hole that uh, Robert wanted to avoid. So let's avoid that. <laughs> but I just, I can't see it. I, I, I don't understand this line at all. Um, Malik Harris or Malik Willis is essentially like a light version of Derek King. Um, actually, I don't know if that's fair because Willis might be a better passer, but still Miami's more talented. And unless this defense just shows us something they haven't shown us all year long, I think it could be a really long day, especially for the linebackers in the secondary. So, Miami. Yeah, Chris, uh, you are kind of feeling the same way where that 14-5 and five record, Justin Fuente, in the regular season. By the way, that is a regular season statistic. Um, it's thrown around just outright. It's actually 14-5 and five in the regular season after a loss. He has 23 losses total in the five and a half years. Uh, just wanted to clarify that because that's, that's thrown around everywhere. It's regular season games. Uh, Chris, you have Miami two and a half as well. Emotional hedge. Are we going to call it that Brett? I think you called it an emotional hedge in the game. <laughs> no, this is less about an emotional hedge and it's just more about just the rationale of understanding how that 14 and five record kind of came to be. Um, so if you look at it, uh, I think the best win coming off that loss was 22nd ranked Duke, which was back in 2018. Uh, that was also the win where we seemingly stopped the bleeding. And then right after that, the entire season kind of went into shambles. So I don't know which direction we're actually heading right now. Uh, we do have a much tougher slate as a program coming forward, but um, 
at this point, this is the best version of any team that Tech will be playing off of a loss. I think we can all probably agree on that if you look back at, at all the different teams that we faced. Um, and another one, it was actually interesting. It actually, I think, just came up. It was on either Tech sideline or one of the other um, sites, and it just talked about how the defense is still continuing to grow uh, in learning and understanding this new Justin Hamilton scheme. And these are anecdotes that you know would have been useful to understand the growing pains in the early parts of camp. But you know, here we are in November, and they're still learning on the fly. They're they're missing assignments, and they're being candid about it. And so, you just think, okay, how is this team going to solve all of these issues that have been prevalent all year in less than a week to then face the most mobile quarterback that we faced to date? Um, and we've shown the bleeding against you know, Louisville and, and Lee Cunningham. And then last week versus Malik Willis. And this is the best version of that this week. And I just don't see that. And that's why I'm leaning Miami two and a half um, as a, as a road underdog here. Brett, take it away. You have Miami plus two and a half. Yeah. It's my first emotional hedge of the season, as much as I want the Hokies to win. I think the Canes have just looked better lately. Unlike us. So I think I'm just going to pick the Canes. However, I don't think this game is going to be close. I think Miami's going to come in sleepwalking and we're going to shock them or we're going to be outmatched, which we pretty much are already on most aspects of the field and lose by 20 or more. So I think it's going to be a blowout on either side, in my opinion. But when I mean blowout, I mean, it's going to be like the UNC game where it's going to be like 55 to 35, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, we'll get to that. And you're talking about Miami coming in in good form. Uh, Virginia Tech has lost three out of the last four uh, contests, I believe. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Five. Three out of the last, last five. five. Three out of the last five. It's not great. It's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Just great. Not good quick, though, Those were all the years that Miami was falsely, quote-unquote, back. So I, I think that was a lot softer Miami teams that we are having a more padded record against. Just throwing that in there. This is true. Yeah, and and I'll go into that as well because I I I'll just take Virginia Tech minus two and a half. <laughs> I'll just I'll manifest it. Um, and my reason behind it is like back is up against the wall. This is where Justin Fuente teams just play better. We've seen it before. We saw it after the UNC game. We saw it last year. Um, we saw it in 2016, and you know we're. See if we can see it again. I mean, can you pull one out? This would be by far the best win of Justin Fuente's tenure uh, by a long shot. I think the only win that would be better would be a neutral field against West Virginia. And that was a West Virginia team that finished seven and six. So, yeah, this would be the, the best win of his five and a half years. And uh, look, Miami does this every year. Miami pulls a Miami every year. They'll just show up to a game and suck all of a sudden, and no one knows why, and the other team beats them. Uh, why not us? Why don't why can't we be the team that just beats them randomly and no one knows? And it's I'm looking at some of the other spreads here. We have two and a half. Two and a half seems to be the consensus. It actually just moved in the last 30 minutes back down to Virginia Tech minus two on ESPN. Um and they also have the over-under now at, at 67 and a half, which, which we will get to. But uh, ESPN uses two different uh, formula things to get their 
spreads. And one of them is team rankings, which has Virginia Tech winning by 2.6 points. And the other one is number fire, which has Virginia Tech winning by, let me do some quick math, uh, 5.7, uh, 5.8, 5.8 points. Um, I don't get it. Like, I really don't get it. But at the same time, I kind of do because if I was a neutral fan and I always say, bet the numbers, not the team, bet the numbers, not the teams. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like Virginia Tech could win this game. I don't really have any stats to back that up. Miami's the more talented team. Um, Virginia Tech is in terrible, terrible form. I, I think one thing you could point to is where Virginia Tech has struggled um, a, a lot this season with runs up the middle and, and stuff like that. Miami actually has kind of gone away from the run a, a little bit in the last few games where they were so run heavy to start the season. They're not as run heavy now. They're trusting Derek King a little bit more. Um, even though Miami doesn't really have much options on the outside, except for tight end Brevin Jordan. Uh, so, you, you know, maybe, maybe it's a role reversal here and tech has a game where Miami just doesn't prepare well, doesn't play call well, doesn't take advantage of, you know, superior athleticism and the opportunities there and tech just capitalizes. I think another thing tech will look to do is control the clock. They struggled with that against Liberty. It seemed like every drive they were, uh, you, you know, stumbling over their feet almost trying to get from one plate to the next. I think we saw a similar thing at the beginning of the game against UNC where it looked like you blinked and Tech was punting the ball already. Um, so I think you'll see a slower, more methodical Virginia Tech team, both offensively and defensively. I think Tech will look to um, you know, really sell out on stopping the stopping the pass that Miami has started to go towards because I think Miami is going to think that tech's going to try to stop the run. Does that make sense to anybody or just in my head? No, makes sense. It's my like, question gonna... is, my question is, do you think the offense pulls out all the stops, all the trick plays, everything just lets it all fly this game? I mean, honestly, what is, what does tech have to lose in this game? I mean, well, that is a perfect segue into the over-unders because I'll get into what I talk about of, of why I'm going with the under. We have the over-under at 65 and a half when we wrote this. It might be a little bit higher depending on where you're looking. I have under 65 and a half for a couple reasons. One of them is I don't think you will see Brian Johnson trotting out for a 50-plus yard field goal. Um, I think you're going to see Virginia Tech try to go for it on fourth down more. And the reason is exactly that. Tech has nothing to lose at this point. They have nothing to lose. And if you look at how the defense has played, I think it's very, very obvious that Virginia Tech is going to have to score in the high 30s, low 40s to have a chance at winning this football game. And I think that mentality is going to create a little bit more aggression uh, going for on fourth downs a little bit more. Is seven points worth more than three points? Yes. Well, why aren't you taking the over? I think, again, the methodicalness, those drives are going to be longer. It's going to take up more time. Uh, so I think this is a game where Virginia Tech's going to try to run the ball really, really hard. We'll see if Khalil Herbert is healthy. Um, you know, I, I, I hope he is. Um, and, and I think it's just not going to be a very possession-heavy game. I mean, you think about 65 and a half. That's over nine touchdowns scored total. That's over nine touchdowns total. That's a big, big number. So we'll see. Um, only three of Miami's games have had a total of over 62 this year. So, well, you know, 
we'll see. I, I have the under. Ed, you have the over 65 and a half. Yeah. I mean, that's like the easy read to make on this game is, you know, oh, two high-powered offenses to score a lot of points. You know, look at last year's matchup. Oh, right on paper, it screams over, um, which while I was typing that, I was like in my head, well, then it's probably not an over because that's kind of how this works. But um, on paper, this should be an over for both teams. Um, like I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, Virginia Tech's defense is not good. And I'm not sure that Miami's is either. And both teams have pretty prolific quarterbacks who can put up points in a hurry by themselves. So um, I do think part of it's going to you know, depend on if Khalil Herbert plays for the Hokies because uh, we saw pretty quickly how their offense kind of goes into a shell of what it is when he's on the field. Um, when he's hurt. So hopefully he can play, gives us a better chance to win the game, but also a better chance for the over to hit. Um, not really sure why our entire offense and our entire game plan changes when one player comes out. That's kind of concerning, but that's another, you know, a whole nother conversation. But yeah, on paper, two bad defenses, two good quarterbacks who are going to put up points. Last year's game, you know, showed it a lot of points in last year's game. So I'm going to go cautiously with the over. Robert. You're up over under 65 and a half. So, uh, so to make my pick here, I did like just a tiny bit of number crunching, which that is a very loose term to describe what I actually did. Um, so I took the two teams average points scored each game and took the average of those figuring out how many points both teams combined to score per game. And then I did the same thing for the team's points allowed. And so then I took those two numbers and I averaged them, putting the projected total points based solely on averages at 64. Um, and so that is technically under. It's it's close to that 65 and a half, like very close, but still technically under it. Um, but in addition to that, I, I think that Sam and Ed, you guys have kind of made these points already. Um, but I, I think it really comes down to these two teams playing styles. Um, their offenses are fairly comparable. Uh, I think Miami throws the ball a little more than Virginia Tech does. I mean, I guess everybody throws the ball more than Tech does. Literally um, everyone in the ACC throws the ball more than Virginia Tech. Maybe everyone in the country who isn't running the triple option. Um, but they, they both teams still like to run the ball. Um, and so that means that the clock is going to run a lot. Um, and even when Miami throws the ball, they're not throwing the ball down the field. They're throwing short passes, you know, little, little screen passes, out routes, those kinds of things. Like De'Aaron King is not throwing the ball down the field. And so even when they're throwing the ball, they're just getting little chunk plays. And so their, their drives are going to be long. I, I, I think even if there are, you know, there's a high percentage of touchdowns scored on drives combined for both teams you're going to see a lot more seven or eight or maybe nine minute drives than you are a two or three or four minute drive. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of big plays. It's just going to be chunk play after chunk play and the clock is going to run. And I just don't think there's going to be enough time um, on the clock to reach that high 65 and a half number. Um, Not to mention, I mean, I think Miami's defense, it's not great. It might not even be good. But it's it's okay, you know, considering the state of college football right now and college football defenses right now with COVID, it's it's okay, an average defense. And it, it, it might be one of the best ones that Tech has faced all year. And 
especially if Khalil Herbert doesn't play, there could be a lot of potential stops there for Miami where they're able to get ahead early and then just run the, the clock out. Um, my official score prediction for this game is 38-24 Miami, and that would put the total at 62. So I'm going to go with under here. Uh, just for the people at home, Derek King in the last three games is averaging 34 attempts per game. Um, for a, a little it, looking at that, it, it's bigger than what it was at the start of the season. They've become more pass happy, and he has not been good passing really beyond the line of scrimmage. A few weeks ago, he was under 50%. I think he was at 42.4%. We mentioned it on the pod at one point, and I said that I could complete downfield passes better than De'Aaron King at that point, which I still think I, I could at how he was playing to start the season, but they are becoming a little more pass happy. I think he's getting a little more comfortable. So um, I, I think we all kind of hit the same points here where it's about the style of play that um, Miami wants to play. Do they want to try to just go at the tech's weakness and run the ball, or do they want to try to play a chess match with tech with a young defensive coordinator and, and see if they can catch them that way? Chris, Brett, what are your thoughts? Yeah, just to kind of follow it up, but kind of have a difference. Like, so I, I kind of agree with Brett with, you know, one team is more than likely going to have more points in a blowout win than having a close victory, which is why I went under overall you know, citing kind of the same reasons about Khalil Herbert. I mean, it's also notable that, you know, we don't know the health status of James Mitchell, who in this game is probably going to be one of our more vital receiving threats. You know, just uh, the, the the physicality factor with him is something that we definitely need in a matchup like this. And then on the other side of the ball, we don't really know how, I guess, healthy Ashby is at the mic position. And, you know, he's one of our key senior leaders on defense um and you don't have him granted you know he'll probably have Dax or or uh, Tisdale kind of uh switching off in that role but you know that's a big loss if he's not able to go so that's why I'm thinking like a lot of the what we talked about earlier just the scheme factors the crushing defeat last week yeah they could try to get up for this but are they going to be able to get up for this in this exact matchup and then you have just the nature of injuries in this team, which we're finding out that, Hey, maybe we might not, not be so deep after all. And all of that compiles to thinking that, you know, Miami probably might have its day with us rather than us being able to keep it close or even pull out a victory. So I, I took the under, but I took the under in like a 34 type 21, 24 type victory for Miami. Yeah. Chris, you talked about the linebacking core. How nice would it be to have Tavante Beckett on the roster right now? Just, athletes who tackle in the open is essentially all we really want on that. And I don't really care what your name is and what pedigree you have, just as long as you can uh, find the skill position in an open field and make that tackle to keep them from falling forward an additional three or four yards. <laughs> yeah, and if, if anyone listening isn't familiar with Tavante Beckett, he's a former Hokie transferred to Marshall. He's now starting for Marshall. He was last season was all conference USA. He'll be all conference USA again. He'll probably be a day two draft pick. He is, um, he's everything you want in a just nasty, fast linebacker. He's so fun to watch. He's part of a really good Marshall defense. And, uh, uh, I think that's a linebacker that Tech really wishes was still wearing orange and maroon. Brett, uh, real quick, round us out with the over-unders. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hinted at what I was saying uh, right before we went into the section was I think this game is going to be like a 20-point swing on the other side. 
but that doesn't mean other team's going to put up points. I think it's going to be something along, like I said, along the UNC game. It's going to be like 55, 35, 55, 30, 45, 25, somewhere in that range. I think, I mean, it's just going to be a blow on either side. I think it's going to, who shows up the first quarter sets the tone for the game. Tech comes out, comes out early, gets up 14, nothing. I think the the game has a better chance of being close that way. But if, Miami comes up 14 nothing in the first quarter. It's going to be a long day. All right, guys, here we go. The surprise Virginia Tech prop of the week. Hendon Hooker, he likes to run the football uh, a lot. Hendon Hooker, over under 18 and a half rushing attempts. Even I think if Khalil time. Herbert's not playing, it's over. I was going to say the same thing. I think it depends on who's who's there running back. If Herbert's playing, I'd say it's probably around 15, but I mean, clearly without Herbert, he's a hooker running as our only offensive production, so I think I'm going to go under anyway, just because I think one of the strengths of Miami is their defensive line. I think if Coralson is able to prepare the game well, I think he's going to know it's going to be hard to even, I think, get movement just with Hooker. I think it's – if Herbert plays, I think it's going to be under. But I think the way they're going to have to beat Miami is throwing the ball. I think just running the ball with their – because they're going to be able to stretch the field so easy in the front seven, I think he's going to be throwing the ball a lot more this game, more than we'd like to see, but I think it's going to have to happen. I also think that, I mean, Miami might not be the most shutdown type of defense, but they're still physical. And you kind of want to protect your quarterback just a little bit. I mean, exactly. Hedden isn't exactly a battering ram like QP might be, um, in which case this would be a great game to see if QP can kind of weave his way into some packages uh, to kind of level the playing field there. But I, I just can't see him running the ball 20 times or what was it? What was it? 18 and a half. I can't 18 see him and running. A half. So he is averaging um, since starting for the, for the Boston College game, Wake Forest game, Louisville game and Liberty game. He is averaging 18 attempts per game. Yeah. That's just too much of a beating to expose him to in this game, specifically against this type of defense. And if he was averaging that, I would, I, I mean, amongst all the reasons I would question Cornelson in the game plan, that would be a huge one because we might be out without a starting quarterback after that. I really don't want Quincy Roche getting absolutely just getting free hits on Hendon Hooker. I don't, I hope Hendon's tough. I mean, he's really tough. I mean, he's taken some hits this year, gotten up, and he keeps going, but. I think this is going to be one of the most physical teams that Miami's ever that Miami's ever had. That's going to be one of the most physical teams Tech's faced all year. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go under here, slightly under. I think one of the reasons is if Herbert does play, I think Hooker's a little more likely to hand the ball off on those read options. Um, I I also don't think you will see him trying to scramble for yardage as much. I think there has to be built some sort of confidence with this passing game. It has been better or getting better as the season's gone on. Trey Turner has definitely played better. He's been the leading receiver for the past three games. Um, and I believe he was pretty much one reception away from a hundred yard game on Saturday. So, you know, maybe this is me being hopeful, but I'd, I'd like to see him throw up, you know, 25 pass attempts uh, against Miami. I, I think, that's going to be the key to success, getting those linebackers just a yard, two yards a little bit further back, um, eliminating the safety help on runs. 
and kind of going from there, a, a more open playbook, a more 50-50 split run pass. I think that's uh, I how think it has would, to be to win. I think it would be beneficial for Tech, even if, and, and you know, I said earlier, I don't want to contradict myself. I did say, I, I think Virginia Tech is going to have to manage the clock, run the ball. You can do, you can have a 50-50 split and still be like, we're going to be a run first team. We're going to manage the clock. We're going to dictate the tempo. Um, that takes um, coaching prowess and it takes strategy and it takes cunning. Um, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, that will be interesting. And I do agree. It's, it's way too much for your quarterback to be taking. Um, people also forget quarterbacks, their shoulder pads aren't as big as like the running back pads and they're different. So it's not that he's just like a weak person. It's that he's literally wearing less padding on his shoulders than the other guys. So <laughs> that's something to think about, but, uh, you know, enough about enough about that matchup. Uh, I think it's really exciting. Again, a top 10 team is coming into Blacksburg. Um, what could be the biggest win for Virginia Tech under Justin Fuente? Who will not be coming into Blacksburg quite yet is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we still have a few weeks before uh, he comes up to Blacksburg. Guys, Heisman Trophy. It's going to be a weird one because we're not getting a full season with all of these guys. And we've seen some dark horse guys come out of nowhere and look really, really good. Uh, even Khalil Herbert was being talked about uh, three or four games in the, into the season. Obviously, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are the two leaders of the pack right now. But Mac Jones, from quarterback Alabama, has also looked spectacular to start the season. So, guys, hit me with your Heisman picks. Who, whoever just feels super passionate about it, go ahead. I'll run through mine really fast. Um, nice. So I really, I think Justin Fields, um, you know, should be the front runner and is my pick for this this year. Uh, he's kind of a freak <laughs> in case you haven't watched, which you probably haven't because they've only played a couple games and they just had another one canceled, um, which, you know, when they announced that this weekend's game got canceled, my first thought was, oh, crap, do I need to go back and change my Heisman picks because, you know, that's going to put a dent in his stats and, um, you know, his impact on the season as a whole, but he's unbelievable. Um, Justin Fields, I cannot believe Georgia let him go. That was such a, you know, brutal mistake for them in hindsight, but you know, it happens. And I just, I don't know how you can like watch him or anyone else and not be like, wow, this dude might be the best player in the country. He's pretty unbelievable. Uh, so far through three games, he's thrown for 908 yards, 11 touchdowns with no picks. And he has the highest QBR in the country. You know, and he also rushes for two touchdowns. So I just, it's hard for me to sit there and watch him and think like there's anybody else that's better. Um, I, I have him right up there neck and neck with Trevor Lawrence as the best player in the country. And I think if he continues to play the way he's playing and gets to play enough games, he should um, be right there at the, at the ceremony, if not lifting that trophy up at the end. So I got Justin Fields. Robert, hit us with your pick. Yeah, so looking at this, I I think. Let me be very very clear. I think that sorry. Jimmy Jones. Oh, Stephen A is joining the podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Let's uh, let's start that over again. <laughs> sorry about that. No, we're keeping it in there. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I just had Trevor's stats pulled up on ESPN and Stephen A. Oh, just... the freaking autoplay thing. Yes, it's so the autoplay thing. All right, hold on. Let me. Uh... Let me get this back pulled up. All right. Uh, Beauty of life podcasting, everybody. Yeah. All right. 
So I know this may not be the highest value pick um, given the odds that are out there, but I do like Trevor, Trevor Lawrence at plus 175. Um, and the reason why is I think that the narrative is set up for him to pull away from the fields, fields. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> imagine this scenario. So Clemson, Clemson gets Lawrence back next weekend. They're on a bye this week. They get Lawrence back next weekend. They breeze through the rest of the regular season. Trevor puts up numbers similar to what he'd been producing before contracting the virus. Um, and we are basically set up for the ultimate grudge match in the ACC championship game. Trevor puts the team on his back. He puts up some crazy numbers and he has his Heisman moment as the Tigers get their revenge on Notre Dame. I just don't believe that anyone else on the list um, of Heisman candidates, I don't think anyone else on the list has the potential to put together such an enticing narrative. Um, so in my eyes, I think it's Trevor's award to win. Should he do the things I just said? And, you know, plus this is the, perfect year to miss two games and not see your Heisman campaign really affected because even if he missed every single game from here on out, he would still only play in two fewer games than Justin Fields since Ohio state's game this weekend was canceled. Um, I just think Trevor has the potential for the most compelling story in college football this season. And I think that that's what voters are more often drawn towards. And so I, I think that if Trevor you know, wins out through the ACC championship and plays well, I think the voters will give him preferential treatment, even if his stats aren't quite as good as Fields or Jones. Brett, hit us with it. Who's striking the pose in New York? I, I got to go with Justin Fields as well. I think even at plus 175, it's not the highest value, but I, it's still gaining more than what you're putting in. And I think he is the best player in the country. And I think freak, as I said, is a good way to put it. I mean, his numbers are also just freakish as well. So, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to pick Lawrence after missing a game. And Clemson's already, I think their own hype as a team is taking away from Trevor Lawrence himself, including the running back. His name is Travis Etienne. I think that's also taking away from Lawrence. So not that that's a bad thing for Clemson. It's a very good thing for Clemson because they're able to rely on two extremely good players. But I think Justin Fields is just, is like the face of Ohio State. And he's going to be able to, if they run the table, I think it's hard for him to lose that. Chris, you feel in the same way. Justin Fields at plus 175. Yeah, and, and not to parrot some of the kind of stats, but more of the narrative part, which uh, Irby just made the case for Lawrence. And I think his narrative is how he, I believe he was almost tied for second. He was a couple votes back from Jalen Hurts last year, and he had Chase Young on his team who pulled votes away from, from Fields. Otherwise, he probably would have been a unanimous second, and it took like the most perfect season from a quarterback almost ever in Joe Burrow to run away with it. So if you don't have that, I mean, he's, he would have been up there as far as like the, you know, possibly number one, or even, the, you know, the, I assume he possibly uh, number one and close second vote getter last year. Um, and so I think the Heisman trophy voters look at that as well. Okay. This guy's having a repeat performance. He's not necessarily hitting his numbers, but no one is, but he's hitting the metrics of how like efficient he is with his you know, his passing numbers and his, and his rushing numbers too, which factor in pretty heavily as well as kind of the complete game. Um, and they run the table, you know, that's, 
that's it. You know, he, if you run the table, you don't miss a game and you put up the same numbers that would have extrapolated out to a full season, almost better than he had last year. Um, I think all of that at plus 175, you're almost getting two to one there. You know, that, that seems like it's a pretty good, pretty good value. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree that he has been uh, statistically one of the most insane college football players that we've seen in a while. And it got a little swept under the radar last year because of how incredible Joe Burrow was. But I, I don't I don't think Heisman voters think that way, because if you look at it, they didn't give Deshaun Watson the career Heisman. They didn't give Andrew Luck the career Heisman. I, I don't know if they're going to give it to Justin Fields, and I don't know if they're going to give it to Trevor Lawrence. And I think the simple reason is not enough games. I think that's how voters are going to think. It, just a few games, and they have so much talent around. I mean, Ohio State's team, and I think this is the same thing for Mac Jones, it's so obvious that they are so much better than everyone they're playing. Like Even when Alabama went up against Georgia, it was not even close for what Alabama's offense did to Georgia's defense. So I'm going with the long shot. I'm going with the Mormon Manziel, Zach Wilson at plus 4,000. He has been, and, and you know, on, on the Heisman Trophy is awarded to the most outstanding player in college football. Zach Wilson has been the most outstanding player in college football this season. And I don't think that's really up for argument at this point in the season. I, I'll Let me just... And I hate reading off the basic stats, but I'm going to do it anyway because they're stupid. He is completing 75.1% of passes over eight games for 2,512 yards. That's 11.4 yards average for 22 touchdowns and only two interceptions. That's video game numbers. That's video game numbers, but you're playing on like varsity and not Heisman. Like he... What he is doing and how good he looks is ridiculous. I, he throws one of the best deep balls I've ever seen. I, I thought Tua threw an incredible deep ball when he was at Alabama. Zach Wilson's might be better. And, and he's not doing it with four and five star receivers. He's not doing it with offensive linemen that are all 320 pounds plus. Um, and you can say, hey, he's not playing good competition. Well, look what he did against Boise State. Against Boise State, he was 22 of 28 for 360 yards. That's about 79% completion percentage. Three touchdowns, no interception. Uh, the guy is just dynamite. He's just dynamite. He's so fun to watch. I think BYU will have a lot of eyes on them in the next coming weeks because people feel like this could be the year that either BYU or Cincinnati uh, get into the playoff. And I think people are going to be looking at that. It's going to be a storyline. He's had the hype to start the season where Justin Fields wasn't playing. And, and Trevor Lawrence, he's, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is missing out on the biggest game of the season for him. I mean, he missed it. And I think that is a, you know, that was his chance to win the Heisman Trophy, was that Notre Dame game. And he wasn't able to participate. It's unfortunate, but he, he wasn't able to play it. I think Zach Wilson could win this thing. I really think he could. If he continues to put up the numbers he is, it's going to be really hard uh, to vote against him. Um, Mike isn't with us tonight, but he did pick Kyle Trask at plus 1,000. I think that's also a good bet for value-wise. Um, if Florida can win the SEC championship game, I think uh, Kyle Trask's name will be uh, thrown around a bit more. Uh, guys, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on the Heisman? So, just looking right now on the computer, 
to your point about Zach Wilson, I wanted to pick him so bad. I really did. <laughs> but it's just hard for me to pick. A, I mean, unless like BYU actually makes the playoff and they make like a considerable run for a case for that. I just, I think it's going to be hard for them to pick somebody outside of the power five. And no, that's I, I going to make the I playoff. Agree. And the last time that somebody did that was probably, I mean, I guess Lamar Jackson, I mean, Louisville had a chance to make the playoff that year. I mean, they did. I mean, they were fourth at one point, weren't they? I think. Yeah, they were, they, they were top five until the uh, Clemson game. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they were probably the last I would put outside team point that he's mm-hmm. the last player from an outside team. Cause I would say like, just not a consistent contender to win the, to win the Heisman. But yeah, would, however, I, Oh, go on. I would say, uh, you know, Lamar and Johnny Manziel. When Johnny, yeah, Johnny, yeah, Manziel Texas too. Texas and was like eight and four. But uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah, but, but um, go on. The, Al- that, the, Al- still, the Alabama game won Johnny Manziel the Heisman. I mean, I that's pretty much that's what it came down to. But exactly thirty years ago, fellow BYU quarterback Ty Detmer did win the Heisman. So is it the thirty year anniversary? Who knows? I mean, I it would be awesome if Wilson won. I think it'd be really cool. I just for my sake to have a make my pick correct, I think I just had to go with Fields. I mean, half the people voting for the Heisman were like in their mid thirties, late thirties when that was happening. So, yeah, yeah, let's go for it. I, I again, like that's kind of a more entertaining pick, um, but I think he does deserve recognition for how he has played this season because it has been phenomenal. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and our last future that we're going to talk about tonight is the national championship college football playoff. We've hinted at it. Um, I think a lot of, you know, the teams that we're going to going to look into. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just get it started in terms of value. I really like Clemson at plus three twenty five. I I think Trevor Lawrence is insane and he's been in the big games. He's ready for the big games. Uh, that coaching staff has been in the big games. Not to say that Alabama and Ohio State haven't, but this team came back. He and Travis Etienne came back to win a national title. It wasn't about winning the Heisman for Trevor. It wasn't about setting the ACC records for Travis Etienne. It, it was about winning a national title. They felt like they could have won a national title last year. Uh, and I think when you have that kind of motivation fueling you for a year plus, it's going to give them a little bit of an extra edge on Ohio state and Alabama. And, and I think if I were to do my playoff prediction right now, which I guess I'll ask all of you to do, cause we might as well. That's another on the spot thing. I'm asking y'all to do. Uh, I would go Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama, and then throw in uh, Cincinnati. Let's throw Cincinnati in there, throw them in there. If, if Cincinnati runs the table, they should get in this year. Um, no one's no one from the big 12 is getting in. And uh, I don't see two SEC teams getting in, uh, especially now that Georgia has two losses and Florida has a loss at Texas A&M. So, uh, yeah, give me them. Give me Cincinnati. I think you could see Clemson is probably the three seed in that scenario if Clemson wins out, which would have them against Ohio State probably. Um, if Ohio State wouldn't, Ohio State would only have played eight games at that point, correct? Yeah, yeah. And if the current results or current rankings hold. Ohio State would be two. Yeah, so uh, I, I like that matchup with Ohio State. Um, I don't think Ohio State has, you know, quite the game breakers that they did last year, uh, especially with Chase Young, a defensive end. I don't know if they have a guy like that. 
going up against Trevor Lawrence to try to slow him down. So give me Clemson plus 325. Um, that's just what I'm feeling looking at the board right now. Ed, go for it. Natty champ and college football playoff teams. Yeah, my national championship pick kind of piggybacks off of my Heisman pick with Justin Fields and Ohio State. Um, you know, that kind of, again, put some worry in my mind today when another game got removed from their schedule. Um, but I do think they've shown enough so far and will continue to show more, you know, whenever they do get back on the field that they are deserving to at least be in the top four. Whether they end up at two, I mean, who knows? But um, an undefeated Ohio State team is going to be pretty tough to keep out regardless of number of games. And due to the fact that they have, you know, an absolute monster and one of the best players in the country in Justin Fields. So I think the committee is going to keep them in regardless of number of games. But, um, you know, they graduated a little bit on defense last year. That part's kind of concerning, but I still like them to, um, you know, Justin Fields carry them to a national championship. You know, they almost had their entire season kind of taken from them once and now twice, really, if you think about today. Um, and, you know, the fact that Fields even decided to play is, you know, similar situation to Etienne and Lawrence. You know, he he wants to win a national championship and that team wants to win a national championship. So I'm going to stick with them and the Justin Fields wave for that. And then in terms of the playoff, uh, I think Alabama won, Ohio State two. And then you're basically, it's going to come down to pick two of the three, either Clemson, Notre Dame, or Cincinnati if they stay undefeated the committee's gonna have a tough pick there because they're gonna be dealing with potentially a one loss Clemson and a one loss Notre Dame both of which those losses came to each other and then an undefeated Cincinnati so they're gonna have a really hard decision to make if that's you know how this ends up playing out but I will go with uh Clemson and man Clemson and Notre Dame I think Cincinnati gets screwed and the you know the big time schools get in but based off of that alone um that's gonna be a really tough look but it's going to be really hard to justify taking either Clemson or Notre Dame if they're only losses to each other. So that's, that's what I'll go with for now. But it's going to be a really tough decision. There's going to be a lot of arguing going on, I'm sure, especially if Cincinnati's undefeated because it would be cool to see them get in. But I'd also rather not them get in and just get blown out by Alabama when you know Notre Dame could have put up a better game or something like that. So we'll see how it plays out, but it's going to be a tough decision for the committee. Yeah, Chris, what do you have? National championship winner 2020. I think in this case, it was just hard to bet against a Nick Saban-led football team, um, considering in pretty much every metric across the board, they're either offensively number one and defensively, I believe they're still top 10 in every single uh, way, shape, or form. And this is a year that's all about kind of expect the unexpected. And there's just no better coach on earth to keep his team kind of focused on the long game than probably Nick Saban. Um, that, that's not to say that, you know, you know, Ryan day can't do it and, and Dabble can't do it, but no one's been doing it longer and better, uh, than Nick Saban and they just have the team to match. Um, so I, I also looked at, and you know, going back to 09, so like 11 years, like they, they want a couple back to back, but what they haven't done is gone more than two years without a title, which is also insane by itself. So their last one coming in 2017, it's been two years. So I guess they're quote unquote due <laughs> for another title, if that makes any sense. Uh, but it's just hard to bet against Alabama, um, especially in a year like this. Um, as far as the playoff, I, I agree with Ed that it's going to be Bama, Ohio State 1-2. 
but I also don't think that it's going to be a hard choice. I think if Clemson wins out and Notre Dame wins out and then Notre Dame loses to Clemson in kind of a close fashion, it'd be like those years when you had like the Alabama, Georgia kind of one loss teams kind of going back and forth. They'll, they'll pick the two power five, um, you know, priority teams, especially just with the fact that, um, it's a lot about ratings as well. Notre Dame pulls a lot of eyeballs and they would be remiss to leave Notre Dame out of that scenario when they have a justifiable case. Um, so money talks a, a lot more than we probably factor into that with that decision. Um, even though an undefeated Cincy in the college football playoff would be a great story, but, uh, that would be me. That, that would be my playoff picks. Brett hit me with it. So I had to go with Ohio State here. I think it's big-time players make big-time games, and I think that's all in Justin Fields. And I think while Clemson and Alabama are both really good, I think Ohio State is also due. I think it's time for them. I think Ryan Day has seemingly taken over that program with by storm after you know people weren't sure what was going to happen um, when he took the helm. And I think it's been absolutely uh, – incredible what he's done so far so i think it 250 is a good enough value for me to make some to make some ground on and my top four i probably would say ohio state alabama and i think notre dame is going to be out and here's why i think they lose to either boston college or unc the next two weeks they just came off the probably biggest win in i don't know the last probably five or six years or more in Notre Dame football like I mean it could be a decade I mean I probably maybe even since the the uh uh USC game but they lost but they, they also beat they did lose that game but Notre Dame really I, hasn't been that good in like one big game yeah. good since like the late 80s yeah that's true but yeah, the last like, big the, I, I, sh- I should say that what that, that game last weekend was probably the biggest game they have played since the <laughs> the push game yeah. So, and they actually pulled through. So, but I think they're on such a high. I think Boston College, I and mean, we saw what they did to Clemson. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what, who's to say they can't do that to Notre Dame? And UNC, I think, is at the same point kind of Virginia Tech is right now. They, they have nothing to lose except they're way more dangerous than we are. So I think Notre Dame is, I think they're going to drop one in the next one, two games that completely takes them out of the picture. So to me, that puts Clemson back in the picture and you're fourth. I think Cincinnati is going to get it if they run the table. I think, I think in this weird year, I think that the playoff committee is going to want something to get. Especially, they're always going to be thinking about one thing, and that's TV ratings. And I don't think, I think putting Cincinnati in would actually benefit this year than leaving them out. Irby, round us out. Top four and eventual national champion. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my top four. Um, the top three are the same ones that everyone else has been saying. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. And then the fourth team, the team that I'm picking as of today to win the national championship. No one's mentioned them yet. Oregon. Oregon is at plus 10,000 right now. You heard that right. Plus 10,000. That's 100 to 1 odds. The Oregon Ducks who, though they've only played one game, have not lost a game yet. And they are probably one of the 10 most successful programs of the past decade. And they are at 100 to 1 odds. 
Those are the same odds as Oklahoma, who has lost two games. They have worse odds than Georgia, who has also lost two games and won't even make the SEC championship game, much less the playoff. And they have worse odds than Indiana. Indiana. (laughs) That one made me laugh. These are the same odds the Minnesota Vikings and New England Patriots, who are both three and five, have to win the Super Bowl. I mean, if you want to talk about value, like there isn't a better pick than this. And the Ducks, again, they've only played one game, but they could easily be considered one of the country's four best teams. They brought almost everyone back from a really tough, gritty defense last year, and their offense is loaded with weapons. Um, They've got two great running backs in C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye. All you uh, NFL draft buffs out there, keep your eye on C.J. Verdell. Um, He's going to be a stud when he gets his shot in the league. You know, their main concern coming into the season was replacing Justin Herbert, but their new QB, Tyler uh, Shuck, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's spelled S-H-O-U-G-H, but evidently it's pronounced Shuck, like people mm-hmm. in Nebraska Shuck corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played pretty well against Stanford, considering it was his first career start. You know, had over 300 total yards and two touchdowns. Um, Mario Cristobal is becoming one of the best coaches in the country. And I really think his team is hungry after last year. Um, I don't think they would have ever beaten LSU. I mean, nobody could have. Um, But you have to imagine that they watched that semifinal game where Oklahoma clearly did not belong, just got ran off the field, and they had to have been thinking to themselves, man, we could have at least done better than that. But they know that they blew that chance because they lost to two inferior opponents And I believe they won't let that happen again. You know, I'm not saying that they are the most likely team to win at all. You know, it would require them to go undefeated given how few games the Pac-12 is playing. But if they do run the table and they get into the playoff, that is going to be a tough out. I don't don't care who they're playing. That is a tough opponent because they are strong on both ends of the football, which I don't know if Alabama and Clemson can say that they're to the best teams in the country on both sides of the football. They, you know, they both favor one side or the other, same with Notre Dame. Um, and again, plus 10,000 is an insane value. Like you have to throw something at it, right? I mean, you know, it's a hundred times whatever you... Yeah, get. it's 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 ridiculous. And I agree. I really like Oregon this year. Um, I, I think they were hurt by a bunch of guys that decided to forego the season, most notably uh, Pine Sewell, the left tackle, who is a top three pick in the draft, probably. Um, a, a few defensive secondary guys that were all American caliber. They they are sitting out the season, but still, it's they're a really, really good football team. I, I'm a little surprised that the odds are that good for Oregon. I think if Oregon was at full strength and this was a normal year, they would easily be a top four team. I mean, they would blow through the Pac-12 this year. So um, I don't hate the Oregon Ducks right there. Don't hate it. Uh, also today... Um, it was announced Virginia Tech will play Oregon in uh, the uh, early season tournament in basketball. So big chance for Mike Young's team to get a, uh, I believe it'll be a top 25 win against Oregon. So uh, yeah, Oregon Ducks, Robert, you stake it now. It's out, it's out there. So you called it. Quack attack. The quack, the quack attack, attack, baby. He's oh. convinced me. I'm definitely throwing something at it now. I didn't realize, I had not realized the, that value. I mean, he, 
He did a good. He did a good job selling it. Yeah, you did a great job. I, I think that would be kind of fun because they are a team that I think people are like, oh, we forgot they were really good. Um, I'm looking at the the playoff predictor that ESPN has, and they are currently the uh, I have bad. They're number six in the playoff predictor right now. A team above them is Wisconsin, who. Who knows if Wisconsin will be able to play football games for the rest of the year, uh, let alone win them. And then uh, both Clemson and Notre Dame. So if you're of the mindset that only one of Clemson and Notre Dame is going to make it, and then you're kind of relying on Wisconsin to play enough games to get, play the rest of their games, look so dominant, and then probably lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship and still make it in. That's probably not going to happen. So Oregon's right there. The team behind Oregon is BYU, by the way, in that. Um, yeah, think about it. Oregon's also only played one game, and they're already predicted six. Like, that's insane. Like, if they can just get through all the games without a loss, I mean, like, <laughs> they're right there. Yeah, it's it's that matchup against USC that'll be really fun to watch. Um, that's pretty much the desire for not only the Pac-12 this year, but also for college football playoffs. So it's going to be fun. Uh, guys, I had a lot of fun doing a, a different version of Locks of Saturday. We are constantly evolving. If you have any suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Sam of Saturday. Hit me up with your comments, critiques, things you would like to hear, crazy bets that you would like. Uh, we're always looking to try new stuff. And we are going to be rooting hard for our Hokies this weekend because, gosh darn it, they need it. So everyone put on your smiley face on the article on SonsOfSaturday.com. You can check out uh, the full write-up. It is just videos of Virginia Tech beating Miami from years past, a few things from the 2003 game. Uh, we have the full like second half of the fourth quarter for the 2011 matchup where Logan Thomas up the middle and... Uh, we have Eddie Royal, Brian Randall to Eddie Royal touchdown uh, in the ACC championship game, the inaugural ACC championship game. So good vibes. Only bringing good vibes from Wednesday night to Saturday afternoon. Uh, and you know what? We're going to end it out with one more. One more little pick. Really quick, everyone. Masters champion on Sunday. I'll go. I'll just throw out there. Mm, who am I going to throw out there? I'm going to throw out Tony Finau. He feels like he's due. He's due, isn't he? Doesn't it feel like that? He's due. He's due. I feel like he is, but I think Dustin Johnson's Johnson's time to put the green jacket on too. I think it's fine. He's on fire right now. I think it's him. Bryson's not going to be able to control his drive, and that's the only thing that matters at Augusta. So even though he's a freak, he's literally broken golf, but – I think it's. Uh, I think if he doesn't control a drive, and that takes him away from it, so it's DJ all the way. You know, Finau is actually a pretty good value uh, at plus three thousand. So that's that's a good pick. But I and as is Dustin Johnson because that dude is always this close, just on the cusp. Uh, I like Justin Thomas at plus twelve fifty. I think that's a really good value. Um, I think he's playing really well recently, and. He tends to do well at Augusta, just hasn't hasn't gotten uh, that big one yet. And I think this is when he gets it. I'm going to go with big, old, beefy Bryson. Uh, I think the way that he has essentially hacked golf has allowed him to be able to just say, um, he doesn't even really necessarily need the driver on a lot of these holes if he's hitting you know, a, a, a 
his woods or even his long irons, which long iron play at Augusta is everything. And if you're hitting those accurately, super high launch angle and you're sticking it. And I think uh, pretty sure uh, a couple systems are going to be rolling through in the Southeast. You're going to have some pretty wet conditions mm-hmm. in Augusta. You know, that ball's not going to be rolling around too much. And um, he's putting, his putting has been lights out in the last few uh, kind of major tournaments he's played in. So all those things combined. I know he has a pretty bad track record at Augusta, but that was, you know, they say before uh, BC and AD. That was that was before Beefy, and now he's 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 in the midst of being Beefy. This is Beefy Bryson's year to do it all. Plus, everybody hates him for some reason. So I, I feel like he's got that like what um golf uh, is one of those sports that that needs uh needs a villain they need a villain um patrick reed wasn't good enough to hate on you need beefy to go through there and just get everybody all all mad at him so yeah i have a really hard time whenever he's you know majors come around picking people especially the masters because there's so many different guys in the sport that i like um but i love the justin thomas pick he's awesome i've liked him forever um but i'm gonna go with brooks kepka um, he's pretty much unstoppable what he wants to be, and he's the arch nemesis to Bryson DeChambeau, so it's even better. Absolutely. And he's been resting a lot, so he's been raring to go. He hasn't barely played Latin a lot in the last couple months. Also, so. keep an eye out for Matthew Wolf. Yes, he's been Best swinging golf. Fire. He has been, he, especially in major play. He's been really doing really well. I think we can all root for a Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau final pairing on Sunday. Oh, God, That yeah. would be... That beautiful, would be beautiful television. Some smack talk for the ages. Gosh. Oh, it'd be like a Tiger Phil throwback. <laughs> Need some Except black like on plus that. 250 pounds of muscle. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll, that'll wrap it up. We ran a little long today, but it was fun guys. I, I had a blast again. Let us know if you have any recommendations or anything you'd like us to talk about in the next pod. Really excited. Top 10 team has come to Blacksburg. Thanks for listening. And as always go Hokies. Right, you some